Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. We're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program. Hope you'll make plans to stay with us for the message today, and of course a special musical selection also coming your way today from the Word of God. Today we're going to be talking about a force for good. Why are you here on this earth? Well, I think I think the, the simple reason would be either God has something for you to do or something for you to learn. If you're a born-again child of God already, you're not going to get any more saved than you already are. Now, maybe you can earn more gifts at the, uh, uh, for, the, uh, for the judgment seat of Christ, but in reality, you are as saved as you're ever going to be. You're not going to get more saved. So God has you here, apparently, because there's something He wants you to learn, or something he wants you to do. In other words, I might put it this way. God wants you to be a force for good, and that's what we're talking about on today's program. Hope you'll stay tuned. Hope you'll stay tuned for today's uh, entire, entire program, entire message. Right now, though, just before that message, here's music with a group called Shiloh, and it's called In My Shoes. It's talking about the testimony that we have before others, a force for good, if you will. the corner at the closet in my room I see my little boy in my best Sunday shoes I chuckle in the shadows then I ponder the view Oh Lord keep me close to Steps, doing everything I do I know he's bound to travel down Whatever road I choose So Lord, keep my feet On the path that leads to you Cause he'll always be walking in my shoes As the years go by, it's kind of funny to find That little boy, now 13, lacing up my size nines He's got a closet full of tennis shoes, but he's wearing mine I guess some things never change I know he's bound to travel down whatever road I choose. So Lord, keep my feet on the path that leads to you. Cause he'll always be walking in my shoes. Step by step, day by day.
everything we do I know they're bound to travel down Whatever road we choose So Lord, keep our feet On the path that leads to you Cause they'll always be walking in our shoes In my shoe, in my shoe, in my shoe. How important it is to be a force for good. As that song indicates, certainly a force for good in our own families. But beyond that, we need to be a force for good for those around us in the world. They need to behold our good works and thereby glorify our Father which is in heaven because of our good works. We're talking today about a force for good. We'll be reading in a moment the book of Titus, chapter number 3, and we'll read verses 5 through 8. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ. God intends for you, as he intends for me, to be a force for good in this world. He intends for you not not only to rejoice in the good works of Jesus Christ, which of course were, were many, no doubt about that, but also that we might be a force for good ourselves. The call to be a force for good is not some man-centered, works-based gospel. No, that's not what it is. On the contrary, being a force for good is God's intended result for those who know very well that they are not good, but that God has been good to us through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The moment, however, we begin to suggest that trusting in Jesus' good works for us replaces or reduces the good works that he calls us to do. We've missed the point, you see. The Bible simply doesn't talk like that. Titus 3, 5 says this, Not by works of righteousness which we have done. It makes it clear. But according to his mercy, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul keeps on writing and says, These things I will that thou affirm constantly. He says three verses later, That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Now, that does not mean we're saved by good works. Of course not. We're saved by grace. But because we are saved, because God in His grace did save us out of our love, out of our respect, and yes, indeed, out of our responsibility, we are to maintain good works here on this earth. We are to be a force for good. The saving work of Jesus for us does not replace or reduce the good works he has planned for us. It actually inspires, empowers, and unleashes them. The receiver becomes the reflector. The beneficiary becomes the benefit to others. When God blesses people, he means for them to then become a blessing to others. That is a responsibility you and I have. Likewise, the Apostle Peter addresses in his second letter, 2 Peter 1.1, he addresses it to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice that he then 
charges his fellow believers to make every effort, if I could put it in my language, to grow in Christ-like qualities. He talks about virtue, knowledge, self-control, brotherly affection, and love, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. For he goes on to say, For if these things be in you and abound, they make that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To say it in a positive way, Peter is calling all believers to be effective, to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or perhaps we could put it this way, to be a force for good. Because we have been saved, because we have been born again, because of what Jesus has done for us, because he saved my unworthy soul, I need to go out today and serve him, not out of some deep sense of obligation, although certainly that can be a part of it, but I do it out of my love for him. What about the person who claims to be a Christian and is not increasing in those Christ-like qualities and as a result not being a force for good? Well, if we're honest, some of us might encourage that believer. If we see someone not serving the Lord, they say they're saved. They say they're born again. They say they're a child of God, but yet they're not doing anything for the, for the Lord. We might say, well, don't worry about it. It's not a problem. Remember, Jesus has forgiven your sin. No one's perfect. Don't you worry about it. If you don't serve the Lord, it's not a big deal. That might sound like compassionate counsel. It might sound like an understanding heart. But compare it with how Peter addresses the unfruitful, Second Peter 1.9. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. While we might leap out to comfort those who aren't serving the Lord, we might leap out to, to ease the minds of someone who might not be serving the Lord effectively today. Peter warns and exhorts them and says, you've forgotten that you're saved. You've forgotten that you're forgiven. You've got a serious problem. You need to get busy for the Lord. That is the message of the gospel. That because you're saved, you and I need to go out and serve the Lord. And if we're not serving the Lord, yes, indeed, we need to feel some conviction of that. We don't need to just sit back and say, well, it's not a problem. I say to you, it is a problem. Now, I realize some your health may be keeping you from serving the Lord. I understand that. There might be things you simply cannot do anymore. Maybe you are confined to your home, and maybe your job right now is a prayer warrior. That is an effective, zealous job and accomplishes much. The good news of forgiveness and grace isn't meant to become an excuse for a lack of good works. The gospel creates the opposite effect, the gracious work of Jesus for us. And his spirit in us produces good works through us. We were meant to be a force for good in this world. Now, to be a force for good isn't merely to conjure up some occasional and random act of kindness. It's not just every now and then going out doing something nice. No, on the contrary. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I don't see any way to interpret that, but you are meant to be a force for good for the rest of your life, in every area of your life, every day of your life. You and I are destined to be a force for good. 
I may have to do that from the wheelchair. I may have to do that from the bed of affliction in a nursing home somewhere. But even there, I can be a force for good. I might have to do that uh, sitting back because I'm not able to get up, but I can still be a force for good. If you're a young person and a person of good health, you can go out and be a force for good in the world, in your secular job, in your ministry, whatever that might be in your secular job is your ministry. If you're a born-again child of God, at least it's a part of it. Your mouth is meant to be a force for good. Speaking only words that build others up gives grace to the hearer, Ephesians 4.29. Your eyes are meant to be a force for good, looking not only to your own interests, but actively looking toward the interests of others, Philippians 2.4. Your feet are meant to be a force for good, bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have not heard, Romans 10.15. Your ears are meant to be a force for good, morning by morning, hearing the words of God, Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 4. Your hands are meant to be a force for good, doing honest work so that you may have something to share with those in need as well as providing for your own family, Ephesians 4.28. Your heart is meant to be a force for good, transforming you to a kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving person, Ephesians 4.32. Your mind is meant to be a force for good, thinking and considering how you can spur others on to love and to good works, Hebrews 10.24. Verse by verse, it cast a clear and compelling vision for you and I as believers in Christ Jesus to be a force for good in this world into which God has sent us. You're meant to be a force for good for the rest of your life. In every area of your life, the Scripture says it equips us for every good work. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. Spiritual gifts are given for every man to profit. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. We're called to fight sin and to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21. The wealthy are called to be rich in good works. 1 Timothy 6, 18. We're called to do good to everyone and especially to those, to those who are of the household of faith. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. What was God doing? What was God doing from before the foundation of the world? He was planning for Jesus to do the good you couldn't do so that it would equip you and release you to do the good you could do. Grab a hold of that for a moment. God the Father, God throughout eternity, from the foundation of the very world in eternity past, was commissioning Jesus to do the good you and I could not do, which would equip us, empower us, and release us to do the good that we could do. But now, following your salvation, the rules are reversed. Now God says, you do everything you can do, and that will release me to do everything you cannot do. That's the principle we try to share throughout all of our ministries here. You do the good you can, and that will release the, the God to do the good you cannot. By doing the good you can, I don't mean that you can do anything on your own, because without God, we can do nothing. We understand that. But I'm saying God has already equipped you and empowered you to do certain things already. 
He's empowered you to do certain things already, but there are things that he's not empowered you to do. When you do the things he's already empowered you to do, that releases him to do through you the things you cannot do. That's one of the principles we share at our share on GoMix Radio. Do what you can do, and that will release God to do what you cannot do. Uh, There's been many times folks have called in and said, you know, I believe God's leading me to give a gift, and they'll mention an amount. Maybe it's $100 or $1,000, whatever it might be. They say, but I don't think I can do that. Well, what can you do? Well, God's calling me to give 100 I just believe he is, but I can't give but 10 Well, well, that's fine. Give 10 You do what you can do, and that may very well be what spurs it on, what releases God to do what you cannot do. That primes the pump, if you will, for God to flow out that abundant blessing that he has for you. If we could just learn that. Do everything within our power, and by that I mean the power God's already given you. Do everything you can do within your own power. That releases God to give you the power to do that which you cannot do. Uh, you know, but the trouble is, most folks can already do more than, than they want to do. I can already do a lot of stuff. I can already work harder. I can already give more. I can always pray more fervently. I can always help more needy people. I can always do more, but it's more than I want to do already. So that never gets to the, to the point of releasing God to work supernaturally in my life because I never do what I can already do. That's the exciting thing about the Christian life. That once we reach an end of self, that's where God picks up. I reach an end of my capabilities of the grace that God has given me. And suddenly I reach an end and say, Lord, I can't give anymore. I just don't have any more to give. God says, that's fine. That, re- that releases me to give. I, I, I can't pray any more fervently. I can't work any harder. Lord, there, there's not anything else I see. I, I've done everything. Lord, I'm not trying to lie to you or deceive you. You know my heart. I've done everything I know to do. That's when God is released to do what we cannot do. When we become Christians, the Spirit of God convicts us of the many ways that we do bad. Bad speaking, bad seeing, bad thinking, bad acting, bad living. Unfortunately, believers sometimes respond by focusing all only on curbing these sins. As a result, they might define successful Christian living by their ability to avoid doing bad. I know I'm a Christian because of the stuff I don't do anymore. They settle for and to a life in the middle, a life focused on avoiding bad, but a life content to do nothing. Of course, there's bad we need to avoid doing. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but I'm simply saying we need to focus. My Christian life is on doing good, being a force for good, not just being defined by what I don't do. Yeah, I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't curse anymore. Well, that's a good thing. But let your Christian life not be defined by what you don't do anymore alone, but by what you do through the power of God. Solomon, in his wisdom, declared that he also that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Proverbs 18.9 The servant who did nothing with the talent he was given was rebuked as wicked and slothful. In Matthew 25.26 James declares that failing to do what is right is sin. James 4, 17. In other words, doing nothing and doing bad, well, they're related. They are indeed in the same family. While I know of very few professing Christians who focus their life on doing bad, 
I know countless believers who define their success in the Christian life by what they don't do. Listen, in Christ, you were made for more than escaping sin. You were, why did God leave me here? Well, God left me here on this earth so that, uh, to not sin. That's why he left me here. So that I go through life not sinning. Uh, my friend, there's more to it than that. God left you here to do good works. God left you here to accomplish something. God left you here to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ, extend and expand the kingdom of God. God left you here, as I said at the beginning of the message, either to do something or to learn something. In most cases, those two work hand in hand. You learn more as you do more. When I think of the biblical model for how faith in Jesus works for me, how the results of fruitful works for me. I think of the Roman centurion in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. You remember the story. The centurion had a servant who was about to die, and he believed Jesus could help. The elders of the Jews went to Jesus on the centurion's behalf, saying, He is worthy for whom he should do this. It's in other words, saying, Jesus, we really like to see you help this guy. He's a good fellow. And they went on to say in Luke 7, 4 and 5, For he loveth our nation and hath built us a synagogue. They based it on his good works. This man was clearly a force for good, and the Jewish community saw it. People are praising him for his good works, and they go to the Lord and said, This guy's a good fellow. He's a nice man. He's done a lot of good stuff. Now, look, I understand that won't get you to heaven, but what I'm trying to say is because you are going to heaven, because you are child of, a child of God, that ought to be your t- testimony. Likewise, the world will marvel at your good works and my good works, and our lives could give them, should give them plenty of reason to do that and thereby glorify the Lord. You remember the rest of that story in Luke 7? Jesus agrees to go to this servant. As they are approaching the man's house, he sends out his friends and he says, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say a word, and my servant shall be healed. That's Luke 7, verses 6 and 7. And when Jesus heard these words, the Bible says he marveled at him marveled at him and turned about him and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I've not found so greater faith. No, not in Israel. Again, that's Luke chapter 7, verse number 9. Jesus marveled at this centurion's faith and what Jesus could do for him and do for his servant. Here in one humble and faithful man, we get a beautiful picture, a beautiful vision of what it looks like to be a force for good in the world. This man, no doubt a Gentile, this man, his faith had unleashed him to do good, the kind of good that caught the attention of many lost people, even people not even of his own nation, the kind of good that God calls us to be and to do, good works that are rooted and fueled by our faith in what only Jesus can do for us. So, if you are in Christ, if you're a born-again child of God, I tell you today, without any apology, you were meant, just like me, you and I were meant to be a force for good in this world for the rest of your life, every area of your life, every day of your life, to make an impact for good. For your fellow Christian, for your lost man, for your neighbor, for everyone. You are a force 
for good. And this vision isn't opposed to the grace that gave you salvation without works. No, you've got your salvation without works, just as I did, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But God saved us by his grace, by his mercy, he saved us. No, it's a beautiful fulfillment of God's grace, working in you and through you to be a force for good on this earth. It's an awesome thing when you think about it, friends, that you and I, who once upon a time, and maybe you've been saved for a long time, maybe you've been a child of God for a long time, but there was a time in your life that you were not a child of God. You were a servant of sin, a slave of sin. And to think of the fact that today God says you can serve me. You are qualified to serve me. You're a born-again child of God, empowered by the Holy Ghost, and you can serve me. You can go out and be a force for good. Now, I've already equipped you to do certain things. You already have the power to do certain things. You have the empowerment of the indwelling spirit within you right now. God says you can go out and be a force for good already. But as you attempt to be a force for good, you might run across something that's beyond you. You might run across something that's beyond the power I've already given you. You might say, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know to do. I've prayed. I've used the power you've given me. But Lord, I'm hitting a brick wall here. I don't know what else to do. And God says, that releases me now. That releases me now. You've done all that you can do with the power I've already given you, with the resources already at your disposal. You've already done all you can do. God says, that releases me now to do what you cannot. That is why so many of us never experience that miraculous life that God wants to show us. That miraculous life, that unexplained life, that's the trouble with too many of us believers today. Everything we do can be explained by the flesh. That's the trouble with our churches. Everything in in many churches can be explained by the power of the flesh or the power of a good production. If you're leading a Christian life, your life ought to be supernatural enough that there's areas of your life right now that just cannot be explained by anything other than God. God did it. That should be the testimony of my ministry. That should be the testimony of my life. That there are things that happen in my life every day and the only explanation is God. Are you a force for good today? In the business where you work, on the job, maybe it's a, maybe it's a secular job. You've got, you serve, you're around lost people all day long. You work for a lost man or a lost woman. Maybe so, but you could still be a force for good. Are you a force for good in your church? I mean more than just showing up. I mean, are you a force for good? Are you a force for good for your family, for your community, for your country? God has left you here to learn something or to do something and probably both. But I know this, God has left you and I here to be a force for good. Paul says, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Paul says, I'm impossible. It's impossible for me to do good. There's not a man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. The Bible says all our righteousness are as filthy rags. The Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6. But you and I, by virtue of being born again children of God, can be a force for good on this earth. And so that's what you and I need to be, a force for good 
every single day. I hope this message has been a blessing to you. I'd like to remind you, if you've got someone needs to hear this message, you say, oops, we, we, that they missed it because it's too late to hear it on radio. Maybe so. Check out the Go Mix Christian Radio Facebook site. It's there. We have a podcast called Pathlight. You can check it out there. So if you have a friend that needs to listen, there's other ways they can. God bless you. Till next time, T.D. Worthington here saying, may God's richest blessings be upon you and yours. That is my prayer. <laughs>